Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Our Father, on this Father's Day, we want to focus upon you in a very special way. And I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will allow us to gain insights into the heart of our Heavenly Father and what we can do to most bring you pleasure and joy. So, Father, take our minds off other things and allow us to just focus upon the the Almighty God that you are, the Father who loves, the Father who conceived, the Father who planned that we would one day become your sons and daughters. Father, open our minds and hearts to, to just be wrapped up in who you are and what you are and what you desire for us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I suppose this is a question that has been asked several millions of times over the last couple weeks. So what do you want for Father's Day? How many dads have answered, I'd like another one of them ties, you get me? Maybe one more coffee cup that says, greatest dad, really, really, to match the others that I have. What would you like for Father's Day? Well, I was imagining today, what would it be like? What if we were to ask our Heavenly Father? Imagine Jesus himself asking this question if he were still walking on the earth today. If Jesus were walking on the earth today and walking through the United States of America, at least, he would see on the calendar, it's Father's Day, and he might think, wow, I should talk to my heavenly Father, especially today. And what if he were to look heavenward and say, Father, what do you want for Father's Day? Now, the Bible, of course, doesn't record Jesus ever asking that question. But interestingly, the Bible does record Jesus giving the answer to that question. Now, that answer that he gave is found in John chapter 4, verse 23, printed in our text today in red letters, meaning they came right out of Jesus' mouth. This was part of the conversation Jesus had with the woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 23, he says this, Now, true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Now, based upon that scripture, I could ask you, and just providing a little bit of creative tweaking to it, I could ask you today's key question. So, what does the Heavenly Father want for Father's Day? Well, in a phrase, we could put it this way. The Heavenly Father wants worshipers. 
worshipers. Now, those of you who have been with us for any period of time at all, you know that we declare ourselves here at Sun Life Community Church as a worship-centered church, saying that we believe that what happens on a Sunday morning and what happens when we're gathered together and, and bringing praise and thanks to our Heavenly Father, we believe that worshiping God is the most important thing that a human being can do. And we define worship as complete surrender of life to the goodness and the greatness of God. We could say we desire to be a worship-centered people. Now, to that declaration and definition and desire, our Heavenly Father would surely say a hearty amen. Amen. Well done. Well said. But in addition to saying amen to what I've just said is our intention, our Heavenly Father in today's key scripture reveals two key indicators of whether or not we are, in fact, the kind of worshipers he seeks, either as a whole church together or us individually as we go through our days seeking to worship God and honor God. And are we doing it? Effectively, are we being successful in what we might call worship? Well, here's the first indicator. We list it this way. The Heavenly Father wants to be worshipped in spirit. Jesus said, "That's if the Father's seeking those people who will worship him in spirit and in truth, then that's what he wants. First off, that people would worship him in spirit. I put on our sheet today, in a spiritual way. You think, well, of course. Are you going to worship God in a fleshly way? Well, that's up for you to consider whether that's ever been done. People worshiping God in a fleshly way, which would be the opposite of spiritual. In a depraved way. God wants to be worshipped in spirit, in a spiritual way. That means with praise and adoration arising from deep within our being. Arising from the newborn spirit that has been placed in all who are his. It's that born-again spirit that worships God. It's that born-again spirit that just loves God with everything. But that means... We might need to wrap our minds around this. Might need to think about this. Might want to respond to this. That means only born-again human beings are capable of giving to the Father the worship that his heart desires. No one but a born-again human being in whom the very Spirit of God has entered, in whom a new spirit has been created, a spirit of spiritual life, only they can worship God in spirit. Nobody else in the world is in spirit. Nobody else in the world is spiritual. They might be fallen people, seeking to do a religious thing, 
And they might even call that religious thing worship. But according to the scripture here, if it's not done in spirit, genuine spiritual action, then it's not worship that God recognizes. It's just human activity. So we say, only born-again human beings are capable of giving to the Father the worship that his heart desires. Did you pick out the kind of significant word there? What did I say born-again people are capable? Does that mean that even they do it all the time? Or does it mean they're capable of doing it? How many of you are capable of doing stuff you never get done? However, unsaved people are not even capable. And there may be some unsaved people who work real hard at trying to show themselves to be spiritual in the eyes of somebody, and they might do more of what somebody might call worship than the believer who is capable of it, but for some reason isn't getting it done. They are not capable of it, but they're faking it. They're trying to convince themselves. But really, only a born-again human being can worship God in spirit. Only they would ever desire to completely surrender themselves to him. Which I always say here, that's the way to tell if you've worshipped on a Sunday morning. When you're heading out the glass doors, do you feel surrendered to God and his call upon your life? More so than you came in. Now, I'm not saying how long that'll last. But if you've really worshipped him, there's at least that sense that I have given again my whole self to the Almighty God who saved me through Jesus Christ, whose Holy Spirit is guiding me and encouraging me, and whose voice I'm hearing right now, and whose voice I heard through the service I was just part of, and I'm heading out into the world surrendered to him. That's a person who's a worshiper and who has worship. Unbelievers have no desire to surrender themselves to God. That's the whole point. They're running their own life. So the Heavenly Father says an indicator of worship is that it's being done in spirit, in a genuinely spiritual way. Here's the second indicator of whether or not we are true worshipers. The Heavenly Father wants to be worshipped in truth. Jesus said the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Can born-again people ever get messed up in their head? Have you ever heard a born-again person, somebody that you know is saved, have you ever heard yourself as a saved individual say something that later on you said, that is just wrong? <laughs> and, and I thought I was quoting scripture and it was actually poor Richard's almanac. <laughs> just wasn't God's truth at all. So truth is important. Our heart might want to just worship God, but man, if we're running down some rabbit trail that isn't really God's truth, it doesn't meet the, it's not worship. Might be something that started out intending to be worship out of our heart, but if it runs away from the truth of God, it doesn't wind up being the worship that God desires. So we say here, 
Two terms. In truth means it needs to be given accurately and confidently. That is not doubting. Not saying, well, maybe this is true, maybe it's not true. No, in our worship we say things that with all of our heart we know are true. They're right out of God's word. We can utter them accurately and confidently. So that means that every song we sing, every prayer we pray, every statement we make, every image we put in people's minds must pass muster. They must be squared up to what God desires. They must come to a place where he finds agreement with those things said and sung and prayed and stated and painted sometimes. Painted in the air and gets into people's minds and we say, that's why we put, we put pictures behind our songs to help us go home with some images and Linda Linda is very, very careful about what pictures go up there because they're designed to communicate truth in a, in a visual, artistic way as opposed to just verbally or in some other way. You see, every song, song, every prayer prayed, every statement made, every image generated must be biblically sound and thoroughly believed. It's not good to come to our Heavenly Father and say stuff, and if he were to say to us, do you really believe that? Well, I don't know. You just said I'm a good, loving, kind, and wise God. Do you really believe that? Well, some days I don't. You did something a little while ago that I didn't think was very wise at all. Really messed with my life. Do you really believe these words that you're saying, the father would say? They must be given accurately, confidently. They must be biblically sound and thoroughly believed. And then one more statement I'd make. Our worship must present father, son, and spirit accurately and confidently. This is our God. Father, son, and spirit. He's revealed The Father, the Son, and the Spirit revealed in the Word of God. If it doesn't, I debated about saying this, but I'm going to say it. If it doesn't pass muster, the things we sing, the things we say, the things we pray, the things we kind of let run through our mind as pleasant images of what the Christian life is like, if it isn't accurate, And if we're not confident in it, it's no better than Baal worship. You see, it's worship of another God than the one that's in the Bible. I'm sure you would agree that's some serious stuff to think about. So now, Identifying and defining and then reflecting it all upon those two indicators can certainly lead us to the recognition of what I'm going to call this morning today's distressing dilemma. Just think to yourself, I'm about to be distressed. Because we're going to share something that, that ought to distress us, right? Today's distressing dilemma, and here it is.
to realize this. Worshiping God the Father in spirit and in truth is neither easy nor common. Neither easy nor common in this world we live in. You see, it's not easy because we can get caught up in catchy tunes that grab our ear or mental images that stir our hearts and as a result of being so caught up and so stirred, we can fail to comprehend and take in and even identify the actual concepts that are being expressed. There are plenty of people in this world who could almost give you the impression, Christian people, that the words don't really matter in a lot of songs. I mean, the, the beat, the rhythm, the instrumentation, the blending of the voices. If you're really, really musical, you might be more caught up in that than you are in what's actually being said. If you turn on the radio in the, in the car, and the song comes in from maybe one of your favorite stations, and I mean, it has you tapping your foot on the, and, and, and you just hope there's not a police officer behind you, asking why you're driving so erratically. You just, oh, I was listening to this song. My right foot has a mind of its own. It kind of has a spirit of its own. You can get so caught up in stuff that somebody, well, what was the song about? Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I can hum it for you, though. See, sometimes the thing, we can be so caught up in the thing that makes the song work that we don't even pay any attention to what the song is saying. And so we can give ourselves to songs. Sometimes people make statements that just sound so profound. They sound so real. They, they, they make you as a Christian want to just grab a hold of that and run with it. But they can be statements that fail the truth test. They just aren't true. There's no biblical reference that you can match up to what was being said, but, but it was sure great to hear it, to picture it, to imagine it. And so like the Israelites of old, we can wind up worshiping a God of our own or of someone else's design. There's people all around us. In this country, this Christian country especially, people all around us who are worshiping and saying they're worshiping something that is pretty foreign to the scripture. But it might sound very, very good to the people hearing it. God wants us to worship him in truth. In truth. So indeed, it's not easy to worship God the way he wants to be worshipped. And now, sad to say, to add to this, it's not common. It's not common to worship God the way he wants to be worshipped. Because in today's American Christian world especially, the more truth a song contains, the less popular it's likely to be. And the less it will sell, either in the marketplace or in the church house. Also, it's not common because some of the most necessary truths of the Christian faith are either not known by 
or not appreciated by contemporary songwriters. They have no intention of touching on certain topics. Might have to do with discipleship, might have to do with surrender, might have to do with God just not painting me the most rosy picture there ever was and say, you just follow me and your life's going to be great. If it trues from God's word that touch on some other things, he says, man, I'm not writing a song about that. Nobody would buy that one. Nobody would come out and jump up and down and get excited about that one. And so that, that's why sometimes worship according to truth is not that common in our country, even though there's a lot of stuff going on called worship. You see, it's easy to write a song out of the desire of your own heart. To write a song out of the imaginings of your own mind that in response to the revelations of Scripture. Songs designed to stir up the crowd generally appeal to the emotions more than to the intellect. What's true is routinely surrendered to what works. Now, somebody might say, if you're one of these somebodies, don't raise your hand right now. Because I'd hate to see that. But somebody might say, Pastor Mark, what is wrong with that? At least they're worshiping, aren't they? At least they're doing so in the name of Jesus, aren't they? What's wrong with that? As long as it's something called worship is happening, isn't that better than nothing? Wouldn't you rather them be in a room like that than to be somewhere else? Now, the short answer is, no, it's not better than nothing. It's very likely worse than nothing. And here's why I say that. Here's what's at stake on this Father's Day. Consider these three terrible outcomes of worship that does not meet the Father's standard. Now, I'm just going to have to say to you, because I'm not a visiting preacher who just came in here who's known for writing worship books and is just giving you the spiel. I'm talking today as somebody who's been the pastor of this church for 28 years, and we have been a worship-centered church. We seek with all of our heart to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I know many of you have had your lives transformed over the years and your heart softened and your, your whole your whole nature changed because you've come into a personal relationship with the Almighty God and you sit here and worship Him and feel His presence. And so this is not intended. We didn't hire a hired gun when I came in here today to say, straighten these people out on worship. What I'm telling you is what God desires. And to the degree that we are giving Him that Oh, he is grateful. He is pleased. He's honored. But we also need to know that not everything you tune your radio to and not everything that you get on, online somewhere is, is to be accepted unthinkingly because there can be harm done and you can be affected by things that really don't meet the standards that we would like to meet, that God says. So here, what's at stake in this whole matter? Well, consider these three terrible outcomes of worship 
that does not meet the Father's standard. Number one, worship that does not meet the Father's standard, uh, let this sink into your heart, it denies our Abba Father the very thing he desires. If you or I could think of all the most horrible things that could happen in our life, that at the end of our life we'd say, well, oh yes, I... What if on that list says, when God the Father himself reviews our life, he says, well, you know, you denied me the thing that I most desired. Wouldn't that just break your heart? You denied me the thing that I most desired. What a horrible outcome that would be. How insensitive to our Heavenly Father. How careless and thoughtless, how fruitless and vain. Oh, it's a horrible thing to engage in things called worship that God the Father does not recognize as worship at all and therefore is not offering him the very thing he seeks and we are not becoming one of those people that he's seeking after. People who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's like, oh, I want to do that, don't you? There might be a lot of things we're called upon to do as Christians that we just bungle all over the place. And we fail and we need to confess. But you know, to be able to say, when I worship God, it grows out of the new life he has given to me. It's in spirit And it's according to truth as I understand the truth to be. And I'm forever seeking out more of his truth. To be able to say, good part of my life, I've been a worshiper like that. The Father's going to say, then that's what I was seeking. And I found you. I'm glad I found you. But if we don't do that, then we're denying the God of all the universe, our Heavenly Father, the very thing he desires to receive we're withholding. Here's a second terrible outcome. Worship that does not meet the Father's standard confuses and likely sidetracks the believers who practice it. What a counterproductive outcome. To think that God's people might actually be weakened by their worship. Their worship might actually lead them into error and cause them to miss out on the Father's blessings. There are things that are said all the time that are just not true. There are places all over the world where Christians gather, where the leaders in those groups are saying things that are not true at all and giving people images in their mind and thoughts about what the Christian life is that isn't true at all. And as a result, those people remain baby Christians forever. Or they wander into things that they think are perfectly okay, even though the Bible says they're not okay. But they're in a place where truth is limited, where not much of it is given out. And when even the worship is gathered around things of men and thoughts of people and motivations to to create certain feelings in the audience. Yeah, they get get sidetracked because they're confused. 
and the Spirit of God who would guide them is grieved. Here's now a third terrible outcome. Worship that does not meet the Father's standard distresses the Savior. Distresses the Savior who's seeking to build a church worthy of his name upon the teachings that he gave. If the teachings of Christ are being violated by any so-called worship, it's just undermining the very church that Jesus is seeking to build. So what Jesus taught, what Jesus said, as the head of our church, is incredibly important. And to think of actually getting in his way. It's almost like Peter coming up to the Lord when Jesus has said, now the Son of Man's going to suffer and die, and on the third day he'll rise again. And Peter comes right up to him and says, Lord, it will not be. No way. They're not going to put you to death. Not with me around. And what did Jesus say? He said, would you just get behind me, Satan? The things you're saying are not of God but are of men. How much does it distress our Savior when there are people on this earth who are as just as misguided as Peter was, spouting off things that actually undermine the teachings of Jesus, spouting off things that don't take into account anything or very much at all of what Jesus taught, and then claiming him as the Savior who just came to save us, didn't really care about changing us, just just saving us and, and giving us a wonderful life. Distressing the Savior himself. What a frustrating outcome. The very purposes of Christ are thwarted and the devil's agenda is advanced. I'm sure we're going to all agree here that these are horrible and completely unacceptable outcomes. They all arise from the fallenness of man and the inability of even those who are born again in and of themselves to find and stay on the narrow path that leads not only to life, but to the kind of worship that wonderfully meets the Father's standard and satisfies his desire. So how can we overcome our own fallen natural tendencies? How can we master worship and satisfy our Father's heart. Well, consider with me what I'm calling this morning. We close with this. Jesus' glorious solution. It's almost like Jesus could hear from heaven and say, I'm glad you asked that question. Because even born-again human beings in and of themselves have big battles to face. Our flesh still wants to be entertained. Our flesh still wants to have notions shared with us that that just seem uh, exciting and, and maybe even ethereal, you know, something great, something awesome, something like we, wow, I never heard anything like that before. Our fallen flesh can fall for almost anything. And when we're brand, brand new saved, that's a gift of God. That's nothing that we accomplished. We may not know anything more than John 3.16, and yet we're saved. And somebody says, now you've got to live a life that pleases God. We wouldn't have a clue what that means. Not even the first step. Somebody says, you need to worship God. 
need to meet with other believers for worship. Well, such a person might get in with a group of believers who are, who are absolutely misguided in what they're doing. So how can, we, how can we avoid that? Still today, how can we avoid that? Well, I'm just sharing with you this morning what I call Jesus' glorious solution. Never thought about it this way before, but think about it today. Jesus has provided each of us, each of you, with your own personal worship leader. Now, isn't that good to know? Years ago, there was no such job in the church called worship leader. Might have been a song leader. Might have been somebody choosing uh, songs to sing and somebody leading it. But a worship leader is someone who, who develops what's going to happen with the congregation. That worship leader needs to be tuned in to the person of God, spiritually connected, needs to be tuned into the truth of God so that nothing slips by and, and, and error enters in. And all us human beings, we have the capability of, uh, you know, not being flawless. And so Jesus says, the Holy Spirit. He called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. There you have spirit and truth. Worship God in spirit and in truth. Well, worship God under the direction and guidance and encouragement of the Holy Spirit and you'll never go wrong. We'll be worshiping in the way that the Father recognizes and honors and can respond to and bless. And we ourselves will just be standing, like Jesus said, on a foundation of truth that nothing can shake. That's pneuma. That's our name for him, you know, Greek word for spirit. He's the believer's earthly companion. He's not only a spirit being and therefore attuned to our reborn spirit, but he is the personification of truth itself. All untruth or partial truth immediately registers on his radar. Listen to his voice. We've been talking about our relationship with the Spirit for a number of years now. Put your hand in his every morning, as so many of you do. Listen to his voice. Tell yourself you're going to walk in step with him. Follow his lead. He's your personal worship leader through the whole day. Allow him to keep your heart and mind dialed into God's truth. Sense him in your heart, sense him questioning everything you hear, everything you see, everything that is said uh, relating to the Christian life. Sense him raising this question, does this faithfully and accurately present Father, Son, and Spirit? If it does, you sense he's cheering it on. He's saying, get involved in this. If it doesn't, you can sense there's, a, there's a, a quenching of him, a quietingness. And hopefully, as we get in tune with him, we find our own inner sense saying, wow, that's not right. That's not wholesome. That's not good. That's not honoring to God. That's wrong. And I cannot embrace it. Cannot embrace it. Not going to learn to sing it because it's a catchy tune. 
It's a catchy tune with harmful words. I'm not going to be part of that. Only say amen to the things that do. Accurately, faithfully present Father, Son, and Spirit. And when we do that, whether we're all by ourselves, we can, we can worship God in a way that receives God's blessing and pleasure, brings him pleasure. When we're together as a group and we do that, it's like, wow. We're together with others who truly love and worship and surrender themselves to the almighty God of the scripture. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our final thought just says this. On this Father's Day and every day, give your heavenly Father what he most desires. Give to him every day worship in spirit, according to spirit, and in truth. And you'll be blessed and he'll be praised. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Our heavenly Father, this worship thing we know there's a lot of places in our country. We, we know there's been times in this country where the truest of believers have been very lax in their worship. Sometimes they don't even do it. They, they come together and they, they just preach evangelistic messages and hope that the lost who are there get saved. And then they go home. And nothing's been said about your greatness, your goodness, your power. Nothing has been said to invite everyone in that room who's a believer to, to further surrender themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the control of his spirit. And, and so worship might have been the name of the service, but very little of it done. And then, Father, today there's the worship that goes by the name celebration and excitement, and, and there's plenty of that. But too frequently, there's very little truth in it. And it might not be focused upon you, Father, at all. It might be focused upon other things. So, Father, we recognize it's not easy to be a worshiper of God. It never has been. Even in Old Testament days, when you were so precise with them, they would find things around them to be strangely attractive to them. And they got involved in things that were not true, were not from you, you even had to judge them, correct them, discipline them. So, Father, forgive us. Forgive us. Help us to be diligent in our personal lives. Help us to be diligent whenever we're with other believers that when we say we're coming into the presence of God now, that we make sure we accurately represent you. We accurately declare truth about you. And we open up our hearts completely to you. That our worship would not only be pleasing to you, but it will have the effect in our lives that you desire it to. And we ask you, 
we ask you this, to do more and more in our midst and in this world, wherever we as believers take ourselves, wherever we find others, oh, may we just bring the heart of a true worshiper with us. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for the sake of his church. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.